I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, my friends, and welcome to Chasing Justice. I'm your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangaro, and I'm here to talk about some things that are pretty important these days. You know, we are seeing an amazing amount of change and craziness in our country. We are seeing what I have described previously as the destabilization of America and the attack on Trump. Now, I I talked about this uh, a few episodes back, and I, I basically coined it at that time as Trump against the world. And I tried to lay out that information that um, it's understanding that there, there, there's so much politics in everything now. We are basically at a point where I've always asked, is, it, is this something we can sustain? And it, we can't. Now, has this ever happened before? I was listening to uh, Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the House, and Newt was saying, you know, he's seen this cycle several times in politics when things can kind of get out of control and every once in a while you have to rip down the uh, the the mechanics of the deep state I don't know if he called it the deep state but what he says basically you have to rip down the uh, the people in charge you have to change the methods we have to go back and forth the problem we've had recently in my perspective of my lifetime is that we go from conservative leadership to liberal leadership, then back to conservative leadership, then liberal leadership. And these things are usually predicated on a couple of things. If the country feels uncomfortable, unsafe, and the economy is bad, people turn to the Republican Party to restore order, to make everyone feel safe, to handle taxes properly by lowering taxes. And that means on individuals and on corporations. If a corporation uh, can't make a profit, then they're not going to hire people. They're not going to make good products. And that's just a reality. Capitalism, that's how it works. What I do see is that our friends on the left, they want to demonize corporations and the capitalist system because some people have so much and others have so little. And that is unfortunate. That is uncomfortable. I don't like that myself. I don't like seeing that. But I don't begrudge anybody with, uh, with more if they've earned it. And by earned it, I mean in any way they earned it. If their father and mother made the money and they left it to them, God bless them. That's, you know, that's what I want to do with my kids, right? We all want to build up as big an estate as we can to give on to our kids. So I don't, I don't blame anybody that inherited their money. I really don't. Would I say I'd be jealous of it, that they get to live such a cool lifestyle? That's probably more true for most people than anything else, is that you look and you see, I'm working so hard, I'm struggling, I'm barely getting ahead. You know, I got to pay this mortgage I can't afford, I got to pay for all the things my kids need, and it's very, very difficult. I have to work two jobs, and this guy over here, his money was left to him, and he's driving around in a Tesla, and he's got a big house, and he didn't have to do nothing for it. Well... Somebody had to do something for it. Okay, somebody had to do something for it back in the day, whether it was the father, the grandparents, the grandmother. Somebody earned that family's money. 
Now, if they did it nefariously, if they did it uh, through criminal activity, that's, that's a little bit different. But it still doesn't stop me from saying, hey, it's their money. They have it. They have that life. Because you know what? Rush Limbaugh used to say, what people considered to be rich was somebody who had $1 more than they did. Right? And of course, he was, he was making a, a commentary. $1 wouldn't really make a difference. But the point being that somebody that has $1 more than you is in a better place than you. And I think uh, a lot of this attack on corporations and people earning money and being wealthy is really more about jealousy than it is about reality. Because reality, socialism does not work. It does not. It's been tried everywhere it's been tried. It has failed. And don't tell me about this nonsense. Norway. What about Norway and Finland? That's nonsense. All right. I've told you stories before about friends of ours whose daughter met a man from Norway or Finland, one of those countries, and was so enamored with the idea of everybody has everything that what they want. Everyone has everything. They have jobs. They have food. They got free medical care. It's awesome. It's amazing. She fell in love with this man and she moved there. And she lived there for, I think, two and a half years before she decided, uh, listen, we have to go back to America because all this free stuff ain't really that free. They, the tax rate is like 70% of what you make. Well, of course, then you get everything for free, though. Um, no, they're taking a lot of your, your, your income. Things were uh, metered out, like gasoline. They had a tiny little car, one of those tiny little European cars that, you know, barely enough room for two people, got a lawnmower engine in it, uh, but gets a lot of miles per gallon. And they have to have that because they were given some kind of gasoline ration. You know, each citizen uh, gets, you know, five gallons of gas a month, and that's, that's all you get. So therefore, you had to um, make that really last. So what they did, and lots of other people did, is they rode bicycles for most places, and they used the car when they had to go further distances because you only get so much gas. So that was a limitation. They only got certain kinds of food at certain times. You couldn't just go to the food store and buy everything you wanted. You know, there were certain things you got. Um, and she found it so constricting. Uh, she couldn't get certain kinds of jobs. She didn't get the free medical care until you live there for X amount of years. So she decided she got to get out of there. So, so anybody that's sitting there said, Norway and Finland is the greatest and we should have that. No, we shouldn't. And if you want it, go there and live there and see if you like it and stay there. That would be my advice to you. But the reality is that capitalism, capitalism provides an opportunity for people who work hard and have a good idea and to some extent are risk taker. If you have a good idea, you work hard and you are a risk taker, you can certainly become one of the wealthy. You know, back in the day when we had, um, the country was starting and then you had these land barons, these people that amassed all this land and then used it for building developments and they raised millions and millions of dollars for themselves. People that saw a need to move goods and services from one place to another when we had the locomotive and they became rail barons. You know, they started out, uh, gathered their money, gathered their, their whatever process they used to develop the capital money so that they could then build the railroad, they became very, very mega rich. You know, to this day, those families are still mega, mega rich. That was what they did. Now, not everyone can do that. And I understand that. I couldn't start today. I couldn't start a railroad today. But I have to tell you that there's a company that uh, I know very, very intimately, very well. And they are right now in the middle of a, um, a capital acquisition, they call it. 
Now, what's a capital acquisition? Well, that's when you have a company that makes goods or services that people want, and there's potentially a lot of profit in it, right? If you provide these goods and services. And lots of companies have that. Lots of companies have good ideas and good services and things. They just don't have the money that they need to get out to the market properly, right? You have to advertise. Uh, it's very, very expensive. You got to go in magazines. You have to. You have to do lots of things with money to get people to buy your products. Right? That's why we see this advertising supports you know the streaming networks and all this other stuff. You buy a subscription, everybody that, that's on there gets a piece of it. They can sell ads. That's why your phone has millions of ads all over it. That's what gives uh, Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook all their money. The ads that run on there, the information about you so they can target you. You know, when you start talking about something and all of a sudden you get ads for it. So a, 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 a capital acquisition is when you have these goods and services, but you need more money, and then you go out to the free market and you present yourself and your company and your products, and you say, hey, we're looking for some investors. Um, you know, for $20 million, uh, you can come in and you can have 3% of the company, which is 3% of the profits, you know, the company makes. And then these investors look around. Maybe it's one investor. Maybe it's 50 investors that get together and say, we'll put up our money to give you the $20 million. We'll take 3% of the company because we see potential for growth that our 20 million is going to reap us back a hundred million over the years, right? So it's a good investment. And for the company, they get this influx of cash that they can now do more research and development. They can make better products. They can get out to market. They can advertise. They can hire more people as salespeople. They can hire people as project managers. They can hire people uh, that do content, that create new products, right? This is, this is how it works. And then the company is either successful or it's not. People either make money on their investment or they lose money on their investment. This is the risk-taking element. Now, I know as a younger person, and most of you know my story. I, you know, I came really from nothing, and I, I worked my way up. I always had side businesses. I did landscaping. I did odd jobs. I did whatever I had to do on top of my police career, right, to, to make extra money. Because at the time, they didn't pay a, a lot as much as they do now. Police are paid pretty well in some parts of the country. In other parts, it's still pretty low. But you, you can't always live a great lifestyle on a law enforcement salary. You just can't. Now, in the Northeast, sure. Uh, patrol officers make between eighty and one hundred and forty thousand dollars a year to be a patrolman. In other parts of the country, maybe not so much. Maybe they make sixty thousand or seventy thousand. And you know, it depends on the area of the country. Like if I was to move to the southern states—North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Florida—my pension, my police lieutenant's pension, would be enough for me to live in any one of those states without having to do anything else. I could live there. I could live there well. Uh, but I, I don't live there. I, I choose to stay here in the Northeast. I have, I have family, friends, everybody up here. So I stay here. So I have to do more. That's why I started my second and my third career. That's why I create and do things. I write books because I'm trying to enhance my income and my estate. So I have something to give my kids, right? So that's the whole idea. Now, when we look at that, I see when I saw, and I used to say before Donald Trump was the president, when he was just Donald Trump, the you know the the billionaire builder out there, and I saw people would say, you know, oh this Trump guy, his father gave him the money. I'd say, you know what? I looked up to Trump because I said I want to be like him. 
I want to take uh, anything that I have and enhance it to the point that it's enough money. <coughs> Excuse me. And he did that. Apparently, his father gave him some money to get started in his business, and he did good deals, right? So I see this capitalist system as really the only opportunity that we have. Because if we stay, if we go to socialism and we, we think everyone's going to have everything they need and the rich are going to pay their fair share, you're kidding yourself. Because in every society that goes to a centralized government, no matter whether it's a right government or a left government, what happens is there are the people in charge and their friends and their associates that live a great life. And then there's everybody else that suffers with having to deal with what's left over. You know, see, everyone gets the same, but you get the same crap. That's the problem. You know, not everybody gets the beach house. You know, you get to live in a uh, in an apartment, concrete apartment building, and you get a nice apartment, a uh, two-bedroom apartment for you and your seven kids. But hey, everybody gets them unless you're part of the governing body or the elite of the society, because there's always going to be that. You know, poverty has been with humanity for as long as there's been humanity. There's always some people that have more and others that have less. And this is where charity can come in. This is where our churches, our religious institutions, these uh, NGOs, these non-governmental organizations can come in and help. So if people are poor, nobody should go hungry. You know, I donate lots and lots of money to try and help people. You know, it's kind of a deal I made um, between uh, me and my savior. I said, listen, I don't ask for money. I just ask for work. Give me the ability to work, to take care of my family. And if I can take care of my family and I have extra, I will do what I can to help other people. And I believe that because that's our responsibility as human beings to help other people, right? So that's what I do. And I give, I give a lot. I donate a lot. Miss Kathy donates a lot uh, uh, to, uh, to all different kind of charities. And I'm, I'm very happy to do it. And I have to say, though, the reality is, is that it's much easier to do it when you have extra income. So when I, when I look at this whole fight over uh, socialism versus capitalism, I remember as a young person starting, starting from nothing, and then I had a landscape business. And that brought in, you know, at the time, oh my gosh, um, what was I making as a cop? I was making $25,000 a year as a young cop with a, a little baby, a wife, and a mortgage. And we barely were making it. Because, you know, everything was expensive and it wiped it out. Within a couple of years, we had a couple of steps in our pay scale. I was at like 35000 So I went from twenty to thirty-five. That changed our lives. That made a big difference to us. And then I did the landscaping job. I cut grass. I planted trees for people. And maybe I made six or $700 a month extra. That was unaccounted for. I mean, here's $700. We put that in a savings account. We saved it up and went on vacation with it. We bought the kid a bike. Uh, we bought some extra uh, school clothes. We had a barbecue. You know, we could afford those things then. And life was definitely easier when we had more money. I, I get it. Um, and that's, that's what caused me to strive for more, to do more, to work harder, to push harder. Uh, so that I could get more things for my family. And that's that's the beauty of this is that, sure, I couldn't run a railroad, but I could have a landscape company. Uh, I bought a lawnmower. I knocked on doors. I made posters, and I cut people's grass. And they paid me for my time and my effort. And that was extra money so I could live a better life. Capitalism allows you to do that, where socialism 
it does not. It fails everywhere. Look at look at Venezuela. It was a country that had unbelievable amounts of resources, money, beautiful life for people, and then all of a sudden we have um, we have socialism come in, and the country is devastated. People are starving. It is just absolutely a train wreck there. People are leaving, fleeing. They're eating their pets, right? So anybody who's under the illusion that this panacea exists don't understand human nature. So with that lens, with that lens and that understanding, and I know most of you out there that are listening, you understand this, right? Most people that are on here are, are more conservative, uh, and they kind of get the realities of things. But this is what I'm talking about. This is why I think we're in flux. And I'm going to go back to what I started with, right? Is that because we go back and forth in our government so often, um, we don't have time for things to build up, right? So we had uh, we had relative um, success in the 1960s. And the country was strong. We were making money. There were some problems. You know, Vietnam was a terrible, terrible tragedy uh, for, for the soldiers and the families who lost people there. And then we ended up leaving. But we came out of that. Um, the, the 60s were a time of, of American strength. And it was, it was good. And our economy was growing. After World War II, we really turned into a superpower financially and um, militarily. We called a lot of the shots. And life was good for most people. Not for everyone, for most people. We still had lots of problems in our in our social settings, right? We had to overcome uh, the racism that was blatant at the time. Uh, there was lots of that, no doubt about it. And we overcame most of it. And as we move along, uh, we saw the 70s. And then because things were so good, because things were so good, People have a tendency then to go, well, we don't need to be so uh, law and order. We can be more relaxed. We should, we should, now we can do other things, right? And that's when we say, oh, let's, let's bring in these liberal people because they got a lot of good ideas about doing things. We don't have to do it the way we've been doing it. Let's try it this way now. We have so much. And this is my theory, is that when you have a lot, it's easier to see things in a different light. And what do we do? We bring in a liberal government. And that liberal government comes in and does liberal policies, which usually do not work. They're great ideas because, I th like I've said many times, I think our friends on the left have, have genuine feelings to do the right thing. But feelings don't make things happen. You have to have concrete uh, actions and answers for things to work. So just wishing everything was good doesn't make it good. What it does is it, you lower your standards. Things go down. You change policy. You make things, you know, when you're making it easier for people who need things without requiring them to do anything for it, you change the mindset of how people function. And what do we see? We bring in a liberal government. The economy goes downhill. The social network starts to fall apart. We have all kinds of strife. And then people get sick of it. And then they vote in a conservative, right? And a conservative government comes in, restores order, fixes up the tax problems because they tax the hell out of everybody. The economy picks up. People get jobs. They go back to work. They can buy things, do things, and everybody's happy. And then we get fat and happy again and say, you know, this is wrong. Let's 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 bring in these guys again and do some of these nice, uh, you know, fluffy ideas they have. And the same cycle then happens. You know, we look at Bill Clinton. When Bill Clinton came in, he came in with, uh, you know, you get two for one, me and Hillary, co-presidents kind of thing, right? And then we saw they tried to take over health care. You know, that that's what people don't always think about, I think, 
and admittedly, I didn't really understand it at the time. When we go back into the 80s, you know, the whole idea of controlling the uh, healthcare that is one sixth of the economy. When you control that much of the economy, you have a lot of say in how things go, where money goes, how much you tax. And that's really the purpose of the government taking over health care, is that they have control over that money, which means they have that control over you. And this is the, the basic difference in the two philosophies. A conservative government and a conservative ideals are much more about the individual and opportunity. The individual to be the best they can be, rise to whatever level they can rise, and the government should get out of their way and let them do it, right? It shouldn't be something that you regulate everyone to death. You let people do it. Where you can do a hand up for those who need it, we should do that. But there has to be a connection to getting something. You know, nothing is for nothing. Somebody is providing that. So if you're going to do that, you know, this whole idea of workfare, that was a big thing that came in. And that happened under Bill Clinton. He came in, he was very liberal, and he liberal policies, and the country turned against him. And he had what do they call his sister soldier moment when he went out and he was making some comments and he realized, uh-oh, this my legacy is going to be bad, and he turned. Now, we also had Newt Gingrich and the, uh, the Congress for the first time in 40 years, and they had the, uh, you know, the, the uh, Bill on America, right? The contract with America, and it really changed the economy, things were strong, and Bill Clinton ended up being a two-term president. Now, he had a lot of personal foibles. He had a lot of personal problems um, because he couldn't control his libido. And, you know, who knows? Maybe that's... who do I don't know what's behind closed doors in anybody's family. You know, why do people cheat? Why do people leave? Maybe the marriage is not as great as you think it should be. Or, as you know, maybe it's not rewarding. <clears throat> I don't know. People talk about... Um, you know, they, they jokingly say, well, he's married to Hillary. What do you think? And I don't think that's fair. You know, lots of people have different, um, different things going on in their lives. But anyway, Bill Clinton got himself in trouble um, and out the door he went. Well, that, that ushered in a, a, a change in government. You know, there was a big tech boom at the end of, uh, I mean, a tech bust at the end of Bill Clinton's term, second term. And that changed the economy, and things were kind of got crazy. And then we had the, the Bushes, and George, uh, George Bush came in. Uh, George Bush Jr. came in, and he was the president. And after him, then, you know, things we go back and forth is my point. We had Barack Obama. We had the Bushes. We had the Clintons. We had the, the Reagans. So we go back and forth instead of staying a course. And I think if you do real analysis, not... Not a soundbite analysis, but if you do real analysis of the difference between a liberal government and a conservative government, the people, the majority of the people in the country do much, much better under a conservative form of government. They just do. Uh, the economy is better. The taxes are better. The country is stronger. The country is better respected. And that's good for every single citizen, no matter who you are. Now, when, when liberals take power, they have, they have ideas about equalizing things, but they force these things, right? And these things have to happen organically. You know, the change in the social, social uh, interaction from the 1960s until where we are today, that, had to, that was forced and pushed, but it had to happen organically from those, from those things. So Martin Luther King, I think Dr. Martin Luther King as time goes by, he's revered now. I think in time, 
uh, we will see Dr. Martin Luther King as one of the great heroes of America because of the way he handled uh, the civil rights movement. Uh, he didn't go out and burn and loot and scream and holler and attack. He went out and he took the slings and arrows of the haters and he turned the other cheek and he kept speaking to our better angels and he kept telling us we could be better. And by watching people attack him and the people in the movement, I think the majority of the country's heart was changed. And maybe what had always been considered, well, this is what normal is, start to realize, well, maybe that's not right. Maybe we do need to change the way we treat people and do things. And maybe we need to open our eyes, right, and be more enlightened, as they say. <clears throat> and I think he'll go down in the pantheon of great Americans uh, as one of the, the best among us. Because I, I, I've written about him. I've written about Dr. Martin Luther King and and his movement and how he did it. And really, it was because he took the slap in the face and he didn't turn around and slap back. People realized the horror of what was going on and it moved people's hearts, right? And then people's hearts and minds are changed. You can't force that kind of change. What you can do is put the message out there, right? So we see that today. We see forcing. We see our friends on the left forcing the change that they think is better, ignoring half the country, right? So Joe Biden says, I'm going to bring us all together. I'm going to bring every one of us together, only to find out that he didn't bring us together. He tore us apart more than ever. We are more divided now than we ever were. And the guy who was going to bring us together, and let me ask you this question. You may or may not agree with that statement, but how has he brought conservative people together? How do we feel comfortable under the Joe Biden administration? Do we feel part of or do we feel we are the problem? We are the evil. We are the bad people. We are the ones causing the trouble. If we would just stop with all this, 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 these rights that we're trying to demand and just go along with the program, jump on the, uh, the socialist bus and, and give everybody everything, we would all be much, much better off. Well, how does, that, how does that bring us into the picture? It doesn't. So he did not bring us all together. He has divided us worse than ever. Our media has divided us. Because it's very clear. The majority of the media has, has taken sides. They, they don't even pretend anymore to uh, be uh, objective and look at both sides. You hear, you hear these uh, commentators and reporters that basically come at a thing and say, well, listen, since we know Donald Trump is evil and rotten and he hates everybody and he would uh, do anything to ruin this country, because of that, let's ask him these five questions. As opposed to saying, let's actually listen to what he has to say. Let's evaluate it. And let's, let's see how it actually worked in time. But we don't do that. Our media doesn't do that. Or very little of our media does that. They do that here on America Out Loud. But in the rest of the media, they certainly do not. It is a completely uh, different way of looking at our country. And like I said in the beginning, this is not sustainable. I'm hoping that uh, Newt Gingrich is right. And that the pendulum will swing back the other way. And we will see a change and America can come back. We'll be, matter of fact, speaking about coming back, we'll be back in a minute with more Lieutenant Jeff. 
The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, keep your face always toward the sunshine and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. All right, everybody, I'm back. All right, so we did talk about some interesting things here. Um, you know, I, I kind of rambled, I guess, and, I, and I'm sorry. Where I started was talking about the 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 Trump, the attack on Trump, and that led me into trying to understand and, and filter out maybe some of the differences about why we attack capitalism and where we're going with all of this and where all of this is going. Seems pretty clear to me is that uh, there's a showdown coming. Now, I don't mean a hot showdown, although some people seem to think that, you know, that's inevitable. When we look at history, uh, history is replete with uh, societies uh, breaking down along two particular different lines, maybe three particular different lines of thought. And at some point, it's unsustainable. And that comes to uh, we have to change one way or another has to win. And we can't talk anymore. We won't debate anymore. Uh, we don't work together anymore. Uh, and that has to change. And when that happens, you have revolution. Either you have cold revolution, where uh, an election takes place and it's a massive landslide one way or another, uh, or there's a hot uh, civil war like we've experienced in our own country, right? Where people have say, that's enough. I'm done talking and I'm going to force what I want, 
right? And that can that can be terrible. We saw what happened in the you know the 1860s during the Civil War. There, how many hundreds of thousands of Americans, brothers on different sides of the line, different color uniforms, ended up dead. Nobody wants that. But we see that percolating in the background now because I think at this point we are that separated. It is really, really hard to talk to anybody on the other side because people are just so locked into their positions that they really don't think. You know, they think they're as right as rain and and that's it. They're not going to talk about anything else. You are completely wrong. And we have fallen into the the trap when, when one side has all the media. When one side has all the levers of power, it's easy to shut the other side down, to demonize them, to, uh, to go after them and make them look bad. And make what, what do you think all this cancel culture is about, right? They have the media and therefore they cancel you. So if they disagree, instead of making their case, they'll just cancel you. You're evil, you're horrible, you're terrible, and then nobody wants to associate with you. Because even if they know you're not evil, horrible, and terrible, they don't want to be lumped in with somebody who's been labeled that, right? So all of this is is leading us to the point where it, it, something's going to have to happen. And I don't know what that's going to be. I'm hoping that it's a landslide election. And this brings me back to my, my first point, the Trump attack. So Donald Trump came out of nowhere and became president of the United States with a message. And people to this day don't understand why Trump was elected, right? And I saw a couple of different things. I saw Dave Chappelle, and Dave Chappelle is is a very funny comedian, and but but he's one of these people that seems to see the world realistically in many instances, okay? And he recently he came out and he was trying to explain uh, that people don't get why people like Trump, but he saw it, he heard them. He goes, I watched this guy come out. And he was talking about, uh, you know, Hillary saying, oh, the system is this and that. And he was saying, the system is rigged. The system is all rigged. And you know why I know it's rigged? Because I use it. And Chappelle said, oh, my God, we all know it's rigged in favor of the rich. We know it's rigged in favor of the connected. And he just admitted it. And that was shocking to people that Trump would come out and say that. But Trump spoke for the millions and millions of Americans who feel disaffected from their government. You know, we the people... Right? Not the government over the people. It's we the people. And we've lost that. And, and that's, that's what's been lost. And why has that been lost? Because that's natural. Right? So if you've heard me speak before about uh, what I call my default position of humanity is to live under tyranny. And I think that's the natural state for human beings. That's why America is so special. That's why America is so unique uh, in that we the people uh, the idea, the concept at the time was to create a, a new union, a new government where the people made the decisions and the government functioned based on what the people wanted. Representatives of the people were going to go to the government, be the government, and do what the people wanted. And we don't see that in, in the rest of humanity. So that's why I think that that position, it's natural for people to lose, lose track of who they are, where they are, and their society falls apart. You know, I'm planning a trip to Italy. You know, it's a, it's a familial background for me, partially. I'm part Irish, part Italian. And uh, we're, go- we're planning on going to Italy. And we're doing a lot of studying about Italy and looking at Italy and, and what Italy was like in Rome in ancient times. You think about the, the Roman Empire uh, and, and how big that was, how powerful it was. It ruled the known world at the time. 
uh, for hundreds and hundreds of years. Uh, it changed the way humanity functioned. But eventually, uh, it got so fat and happy that it fell apart and it was conquered by outside forces because it fell into decay, moral decay. Uh, it fell into economic decay. And after hundreds and hundreds of years, it fell apart. Now, that's a simplified, simplified version of what happened. But there was the time, you know, the Pax Romana, 500 years of peace across the empire because uh, Rome controlled everything and the people, you know, were conquered and then they were brought into the empire. So we think about that, that could fall, right? That uh, empire could fall. We think about the Egyptians and how the, the magnificent society that they had. Now, not great for everybody. There were slaves. There was all kinds of bad things. But the, the workings of the Egyptian pharaohs and how they made some of the greatest monuments ever. We still don't know how they made the pyramids. We still don't know how they did that, right? Amazing things that they did. And they fell apart and disappeared. You know, the Ottoman Empire fell apart. The Soviet Union was a massive military, uh, tyrannical empire, and it fell apart. Societies fall apart. Ours is actually, if you would think about it, I would say that a freedom, a freedom-based society is more likely to fall apart quicker than a tyrannical one, because the tyrannical one controls everything. They control media, they control messaging, they control your speech, they control your access to weapons, they control your food, they control anything. They can even control your thoughts, right? Remember the Nazis and the North Koreans? If somebody has something to say and somebody reports your thoughts? Uh, in England right now, a woman standing outside of an abortion clinic praying was arrested because she was praying to herself. But that was enough to arrest her. This is where the left always goes. Because it's that kind of a thought pattern that the government, the powerful, the tyrannical, should rule over everybody else. And that's why America is so unique and so special. In that our forefathers, as flawed as they were for all those people sitting in the basements taking notes, as flawed as they were as human beings, their concepts and ideas of a free nation governed by the people uh, was life-changing, was humanity-changing. Look at all the good that America has done. We can, we can spend forever thinking about the bad America has done. Think about the good America has done, the sacrifice that the American people have made over the years, over and over and over again. Think about the wars we fought and the blood we shed, the treasure we spent to free other nations, to free other peoples. It's an amazing, it's an amazing story. And all of this <clears throat> is embodied. This change, this potential change, this fight for the future is centered around one man, Donald Trump. Donald Trump came to office as an outsider to change things, to speak for the common man and woman and give them back their lives unregulated by government so they could freely pursue what the best that they could do in life, whatever it was. And that really upset the ruling class. This is it, is, it is really crystal clear if we open our eyes and look at it. The fact that these, the, the entire um, media turned against Trump, the entire, uh, you know, deep state, I don't really like that. The fact is these are, these are entrenched people in government that are in, you know, the president comes every four years, but these entrenched people are, are career politicians, career people in DOJ, career people in, in the environmental uh, organizations. They're there forever. 
uh, and, and that's what needs to be shaken up. So we see Trump is actually the focal point of all this. So here he is as president. He, let's, even before he was president, this is what is so unprecedented about what he has done and reveals this deep state, for lack of a better word. His presence on the scene, which they all thought was a joke, means the, simply that the deep state or the entrenched state uh, just figured they had all the controls and there's no way the American people would vote for this outside guy. Hillary is the inside person, as, as inside as can be, corrupt as can be, but she's the inside person. And, and the, the Republicans knew it. They were willing to go along with it because the Republicans don't mind being in the backseat. They don't mind being number two because they got great cushy lives. And yeah, they can come every election. They can, with, oh, we're going to change. And then they don't do squat. We talked about that. They're actually very weak, the Republicans. Not all of them. There are some very good ones, but majority are pretty weak. But Trump becomes his focal point. And then when, when people rose up, quietly, people rose up and voted for him and he became president. He shocked them. And, and Trump has made a couple of good points. He says, when he says, it's not me they're after, it's you they're after. We really need to examine that and understand it for the truth that it is. He is the focal point. But what he represents is you and me regaining power over our country and our destiny from the entrenched state of people who want to maintain their own little world. Right? They don't want that shaken up. So therefore, both sides of the aisle went after him. Both sides of the aisle went after him and attacked him mercilessly even before he became president. We had some of the institutions of our country that we, we, we see as essential to our survival as a free people. Our, our FBI, right, the greatest law enforcement uh, agency in the world, the Department of Justice, uh, all of these organizations that, that are essential to a free lifestyle were absolutely corrupted, politicized, and turned against a, a person running for president. They went against a private citizen before he was elected. They made up the whole story about collusion. Hillary's people made it up, and these government agencies went along with it because he started to gain in the polls, and it looked like it might happen. I don't know, and they could not allow him to take power. So therefore, they did what they could do in the background, and they made something up. They went after him. They faked warrants, right? The information to get a search warrant. We've talked about that many times before, to go after him, to spy on his campaign. And he said that, and the whole media laughed. Oh, nobody spied on you. Nobody spied on you. What was that um, that interview you had with Leslie Stahl? And he said, listen, I was spied on. No, 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 no. That's not true. We can't have that on 60 Minutes. That's We don't can't put stuff like that on here. That's not true. Turns out absolutely true. Where was Leslie Stahl, the great journalist that she's supposed to be, to say, why do you think you were spied on? And then listen to what Trump had to say and then send a team of investigators out like they used to do to do some journalistic investigation to find out if there's any truth to what he just said. But instead, she just, this, there was no way. And this is what I'm talking about, how they come to the question already. No, no nobody spied on you. You're, you're making this up. This is, this, is, this is just trying to distract people from the fact that you're a horrible, rotten, terrible person and you're making it up. That's where she came from. There's no, there's no uh, thought in their head to, to be uh, curious. Let's go find out if there's anything to this. 
you know, in, in a recent thing, as we see this attack on Trump, which is an attack on you and me, it's not an attack on him. Anyway, he's the, the focal point. He's the one that's going to suffer the big penalty. But it's you and I. They're trying to thwart. They want you to sit down and shut up and go along as they start to uh, consolidate all of their power using all these government agencies. The fact that these the, the DOJ and the FBI can be corrupted to the point that it is to this day, to this very minute, it's corrupted, tells you you can't count on that FBI. If they decide to come after you, you're done, right? So this, this focus on Trump, uh, even before he became president, then after, going after this Russian hoax that they knew for years was fake, but then they appointed a special prosecutor. The, the, uh, our friends on the left there impeached him twice over nonsense. Absolutely ridiculous things to do, but are now normal, the new normal for our friends on the left. The Democrats do this. The Republicans don't have the guts to do it. They don't have the guts to do it. They, you know, Jim Jordan and, and, and Comer and a couple of these people are, are excellent and they're trying to do what they can. But like I've always said, where are all the Republicans holding press conferences every single day? Issue the subpoenas now. You only have 18 months left until you might get voted out of office, right? Wait till the press turns on you and everybody turns on you again, and now you lose control. All the investigations will go away. And that's the, our friends on the left, the Democrats. They are not afraid to wield power. They are not afraid to be hypocritical. They are not afraid to lie. They just do what they got to do. On day one of the new Congress, they would come in and go, that committee is disbanded. And matter of fact, we may go after some of these politicians for holding such hearings to go after our beloved Joe Biden. They would do that, and there's nothing we can do about it. That is the bubbling underneath. That is where people are have re- are reaching their end point, that this is not sustainable and has to go one way or another. And Trump is in the center of that mess. The fact that as a man out of office... They continued to pursue him, a former president. They continued to pursue him with lawsuit after lawsuit after lawsuit. And it's all Democrat prosecutors going after him, twisting laws so that they can indict him on things that are not actual laws in the state. They're federal laws, but they twisted them so that they can make the state law work. Then we have the, uh, the DOJ going after him now over these records. Uh, but they don't go after Hillary. When, when the, F, the head of the FBI came out and said the Secretary of State had X amount of numbers of secret and top secret things on a private server in her own home that could have been hacked by anybody and probably was, but nobody would prosecute somebody for that. But then they turn around the exact same group and they'll go after an ex-president who has rights to have certain documents and things where Hillary had no right to have any of those things. But nobody would prosecute somebody for that, but they go after Trump. Biden has thousands of boxes in different places. They don't go after him, right? Uh, Pence, right? Nice enough guy as he is. He had stuff. They're not going after him. Only Trump, because he's rising in the polls. He looks like he'll be the nominee. And maybe, and this is what I think, in their minds you might see 2016 over again because people have had enough of, of what we've gotten, right? The, the crime in the cities, 
the uh, the border wide open, people f everywhere invading the country, uh, coming in here. And now we've said they come for a better life. Most of them, I get it, but the reality is we can't take care of them. We don't have the resources. The cities are being being drained of all their resources for their legitimate citizens, right? And this is what people are are really upset about. But you don't say it out loud. How many people say it out loud? No, because you'll be labeled. You like Trump? You can't put a Trump bumper sticker on your car. They'll smash your car, cut your tires, right? This is brown shirt kind of stuff. Not organized like it was under the Nazis, but that don't mean that's not coming. If we'll all recall, probably one of the scariest things I heard Barack Obama say when he took office, he would like to create a American police force, uh, that, you know, could could be uh, separate from the FBI and every, the FBI and all these other agencies. An American police force uh, that would be controlled at the White House. That was one of the scariest things I ever heard. What is that? That is that is your brown shirts. That is exactly who they are. And he was talking about creating that because that is essential to uh, socialist governments to have that, that power, that arm of violence that they can turn on people. Right now, what we're seeing is the power of these agencies turned on people. We're not seeing violence against people, although we are seeing individuals out in the street who are adherents to those kind of policies, those socialist policies. They are using the violence out in the street without being organized. You know, they go, you have Antifa. You have all these other groups that show up at places and burn, loot, and riot, creating chaos, keeping people quiet, Right? We don't attack the crime that's going on. We let it run wild. These things are all written down, ladies and gentlemen. You can go read this stuff by people who espouse how to be a socialist communist government, what you need to do to make the government fall so that you can step in and pick up the pieces. And that is kind of what all of this uh, attack on Trump is really all about. That's what's behind the smoke and the mirrors. That's the man behind the curtain. All these things back here are set up for specifically this point. All right. So I think I made that point. I think I, I think I covered that uh, the way I wanted to cover it for today. Um, there's other things in my pages of outrages that I'd like to cover before we end our journey together today. Now, I do want to tell you, um, I have a little cough. I'd have a little cough going on. I think it's the pollen and stuff in the air. But the reality is uh, I'm still not getting sick. I'm still not having the sinus problems that I had. I'm still not having the colds. I'm telling you, I was plagued by this stuff for, for the last 10 years. But for the last uh, 18 months, two years, I've been taking the Healthy Cell Immune Boost. I have not had the problem, right? I have not had the problem. And that's the only thing that I've really changed uh, in, my, in my personal habit of taking care of myself, uh, other than working out a little bit more in the snap. But the reality is taking the healthy cell immune boost has changed my health patterns. So if you're looking to change yours, think about it. My cousin, Steven, the guy I told you had trouble sleeping. Um, I, I originally bought him some of the, uh, the REM sleep from a uh, healthy cell. He loved it, used it, said he finally got sleep for the first time in months and months and months in his life. Uh, so recently, uh, I went and talked to him. Hey, how you doing? He goes, oh, I ran out. So I bought him some boxes and I dropped them off. How you doing? He goes, oh my God, let me come on the radio show and tell everybody how great this is. I'm sleeping again. I'm sleeping again. I'm never going to not buy this stuff. So I'm very happy for him. And then they make Focus Factor. This is to help you think more clearly. Well, I got some of the boys in the neighborhood on it because confidentially between you and me, they need it. So we're going to get a report from them too soon. But healthy cell. 
excellent. They're all over this network. Go take a look at their stuff. Help yourself. Now, where do I want to go here? So there's a couple of important things societally out there. I like to look at some of the things that are happening. There is a there is a thing going on to young people on social media you should be aware of. All right? It's called sextortion. Sextortion, like extortion, sexual extortion, right? You get that? Sextortion. And what's happening to these young people, 14, 15, 16-year-old boys and girls, is that people are, are nefarious people, are going online, seeking these young people out using fake profiles. So you might have a 40-year-old... Uh, man going on there pretending to be uh, a 16-year-old uh, football stud and he's talking to these girls and engaging them as a 16-year-old uh, guy. These girls find them attractive. They like the conversation. He can find out everything she likes by looking at her profile. So therefore, he talks about the things she likes, the music she likes to get her engaged in conversation. And then they, uh, they switch it over to, hey, could you send me a picture of yourself? I'll send you a picture of me. And they start sending these nudes. These kids do it. Unbelievable how many kids today are just sending nudes all over the place. But what's happening is that the bad guy in the picture is collecting the nudes of this young girl and then reveals himself and says, hey, by the way, I'm going to expose you to the whole world and show them these pictures and tell them what you're up to unless you send me money. Uh, this is happening to boys as well. So recently... There was a young man, um, I think he was 18 years old, I think an 18-year-old kid, and he was sextorted by a guy from Nigeria, got on, pretended to be a young girl, sent pictures of the young girl, and the, the boy sent naked pictures of himself to the, to the uh, thought it was a girl, it was this guy, and, and he came on and said, hey, guess what? I have all these pictures of you. I'm going to expose you to the rest of the world unless you send money. And the kid got very upset very concerned and he said listen how much do you want the guy said send me a thousand kids i only have 300 sent them 300 dollars." and the guy said that's not enough you got to send me more i'm going to expose you to everybody well the kid got so upset so upset that this was going to happen to him embarrass himself his family everybody he ends up engaging in conversation with the guy where he says i'm going to kill myself i'm going to kill myself and the guy says good then you better do it because if not i'm going to let everybody know who you are and what you're up to on the internet well, the young man killed himself. He committed suicide. So right now, uh, this, this fella from Nigeria uh, has been arrested and arraigned and charged with being complicit in the young man's suicide. There's some kind of a manslaughter they're going to go after him for. I don't know how it's going to stick. I don't know whether it will stick or not. Um, you know, but we've seen this before, right? Where these kids get on social media and they egg the other kids on. Kill yourself, kill yourself. Some young lady and her boyfriend uh, were together and the boy was being talking suicide and the girl said well it's probably the best thing you could do it'll ease all your pain and he killed himself and they charged her so we're starting to see that the, there is connections between influence via the social media world and the actions people take that could be culpable and this guy from nigeria uh they've charged him uh, because of the suicide of this young boy but sextortion is something you need to and it's more prevalent than any of us would know uh, and I'm sure thousands and thousands of kids fall prey to it. Now, why are they sending pictures to each other? Uh, I, well, I'd like to say my generation wouldn't have done that. But, you know, you think about being a 16, 17, 18-year-old guy and you can see pictures of naked girls, you would probably do the same thing. Uh, we just didn't have that opportunity. You know, it wasn't there. So I would like to think, hey, I wouldn't engage in that. 
but we have to understand, you know, hormones and, and young people. And now they have access to all of this stuff. Uh, and it's not good. It's not good for them. It's not good for, for their lives. It's not good for anything. But it's there, and you should be aware of it. Uh, talk to your kids. Talk to your grandkids about it and let them know there, there's danger out there on that Internet. And this is just the most most recent example that I've seen about this. This is terribly egregious that this young man would kill himself, first of all, uh, but that this person would be sextorting him to get him to cough up money for doing something that he shouldn't have done in the biggest best place. All right, so um, one of the things we're going to look at very soon is the latest revelations uh, about Joe Biden uh, maybe getting bribes of $5 million from where? From Ukraine, no way, from Burisma uh, and his son who had an $80,000 a month job doing nothing right for Burisma uh, there's there's whistleblowers there's people coming forward there's FBI documents we're going to take a look at all that stuff in more depth in one of the next episodes coming up uh, but what's interesting about that is that when it came to uh, Trump they assigned special prosecutors immediately uh, over his um, the the Russia scandal they immediately set up special prosecutors over these uh, documents he has in his house. And here we have whistleblowers, evidence that Joe Biden is corrupt, compromised, uh, and maybe even traitorous. And all we hear from our friends on the left is, oh, it's not true. It's conspiracy theory. It's all nonsense. It's MAGA. It's MAGA. It's not true. As opposed to saying, there's a lot of smoke floating up here. Maybe we should take a closer look. And again, that's one of the things we're missing in our modern society is honesty and the ability to be curious and find the truth. Nobody seems to want to find the truth anymore. Well, my friends, that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, there's more to come. Uh, hope everybody has a great week and we'll see you here on Chasing Justice every weekday at three o'clock. And don't forget, you can always find us on the podcast. All our previous episodes are there. So go back and listen, and we'll see you next time. Remember, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem.